All right, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the pod. Um, we got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about today. Um, might be try to make this really quick because um, I got to do some stuff later, so I'm trying to hurry this up. First thing I want to talk about is the Celtics, right? Celtics are five and zero in their last five games. Quick five game win streak. Um, Jalen went stupid last night in the Warriors. He shot like crazy from the field. I don't even remember what it was. Um, I went to bed, I think at the end of the third quarter, because I was like, yeah, this game's over. Turns out the Warriors went on like a 22-2 to two run in the fourth quarter, something stupid like that. We almost blew the game, but thankfully we didn't. Thankfully we were able to pull it out and uh, get five straight. Celtics are starting to turn it around. Um, I don't know if I said this in the last podcast, but um, it always seems like the past couple of years with the Celtics, we've been good. We've been, you know, above average. We've played well. And then after the All-Star break, we just go stupid. And that kind of seems like what's happening right now. Knock on wood. That is actually what's happening. But I'm still worried about our defense. I watch our defense and sometimes I'm like, man, what the hell are we doing? You know, because it's it's especially concerning because Brad is a defensive minded coach and our defense is actually what's the problem this year. I think we still we have a top 10 offense, but we have like a middle of the pack defense, which doesn't sound that bad. Obviously, it's not as bad as it seems because we're in much better positions than a lot of franchises in the NBA. But I want to compete for a championship. Most Celtics want to compete for a championship. Most Celtics fans want to compete for a championship. So I'd like to see our defense improve. I think that can happen with Rob just getting more experience. I think it can improve with uh, trading Kemba Walker. <laughs> That'll happen in the offseason. Um, but I got a lot to talk about today. Uh, the first thing I'll just cover really quickly is um, Caldy had a really dumb tweet. Now, this is – I wrote this down like four days ago because – it happened four days ago, and I was like, oh, I need to, you know, put that on the podcast because it's, I think it's funny. So three days ago, Caldy tweeted out, Curry needs to be playing 35 minutes a game. What the fuck is this bullshit? Anyone that actually watches the Warriors games know that Curry sucks. So this was, shit, were they playing the Wizards? I don't know. It was one of the games where Curry had like 40 points in the third quarter. And they played that video clip of Steve Kerr not letting Steph get back in the game, like pushing him back down onto the bench which is really wholesome. And so or I quote tweeted this tweet and said, casual take on so many levels. Congrats at Caldy Gaming. You just made the next podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, Caldy is kind of a legend within our my friend group, my 2K friend group, um, because of the way that like the way that he did his 2K videos, his personality, you know, baldy, badass, dribble god, all this shit that we still say, you know, Caldy stopped uploading almost a year ago. I think it is a year ago, actually, and we still reference him um, relatively often. He's like a legend within our friend group, so that's why he has a Twitter follow, but he has relatively casual takes. He's pretty much a casual. I would consider him a casual, um, and this tweet proves it on so many levels. First of all, Steph shouldn't be playing 35 minutes per game. You want to know why? Because Steph playing 35 minutes per game is 35 minutes of him out there where he can get injured, where he can tear a ligament, where he can tear his ACL, where he can tear his Achilles, especially this season where we've seen a rash of injuries, which I'll talk about later. Steph should not be playing 35 minutes per game. No way in hell he should be playing 35 minutes per game. I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense because I understand when Steph is on the court, it's one of the best offenses in the league. When he's off the court, it's like a bottom five offense of all time. Like it's one of the worst offenses of all time. And Steph is genuinely the most valuable player this year, but I still don't care. Like, they they can get into the playing game, in my opinion, with Steph playing 30 minutes per game. And then Steph can drop 50 in the playing game. They can be the eighth seed and get swept in the first round by the Jazz, you know? Man, what if they play the Jazz in the first round and just, he goes stupid 
for just four games and the Warriors sweep the Jazz. That would be crazy. Oh my God, that would be insane. But he said anyone that actually watches Warriors games knows that curse sucks. So this has been something that has been talked about a lot on NBA Twitter and in the NBA world in general this year. Steve Kerr is a coach and whether or not he's actually a good coach. And this is this is my take on it, right? This is the take that I have seen that I agree with, and this is the take that I believe. Steve Kerr is not a floor raiser. He is a ceiling raiser in the sense of he has a system that is built for superstar players, like the triangle. You can't run the triangle with bums. You need a Kobe. You need a Jordan, right? You can't run the triangle with a passes prime, Derek Rose, Chris Ash, Porzingis, and Carmelo Anthony. They tried to do that in New York. Didn't work. You need players to run the triangle, just like Steve Kerr's offense. You need elite shooters to run this offense at its full capacity. It's being able to run relatively okay because Steph Curry is Steph Curry. You know, I saw a tweet the other day that was like, calling Steph Curry the greatest shooter of all time is kind of disrespectful to who he is as a player. And I was like, that's kind of true because he's not even the best shooter of all time anymore. He is just a revolutionary. He has changed the game in so many. They put a four-point line in on the three-point contest. They put an extra further back three-point shot in the three-point contest because of this man, you know? And it's just, it's just Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr's greatness is not the same as Phil Jackson's, obviously, because Phil Jackson won a lot more rings, but Steve Kerr is one of those coaches that is a ceiling raiser. I would compare it to Tyron Lue, right? I understand Tyron Lue hasn't won as many rings, and Tyron Lue's coaching it sometimes is questionable, but Tyron Lue clearly had an impact from David Blatt on those Cavs teams. Tyron Lue this season has clearly had an impact from Doc Rivers on the Clippers. And so I think that there are just certain coaches in the league that are best um, handled when they are coaching superstar players, right? You have your player development coaches, you have your Dave Yeagers, your Kenny Atkinses that can get a lot out of these players that don't do a ton and aren't as talented. But then you have your coaches on the same level that, that get the most out of superstar talent. And that's what Steve Kerr is. He doesn't suck as a coach. He's just a situational coach. And he's just a coach that is specific to a situation. And that is the situation that Golden State had for the last five years. So I just need to point that out because when YouTubers um, tweet out really dumb shit, it pisses me off. Because I have better takes than Caldy, but he has like 250 times the followers that I have. And that pisses me off. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the Jamal Murray injury. I know I'm late to the party. I was going to drop a podcast like two days ago, but I couldn't find the recording time. I kept getting interrupted. Then I had to hop on 2K. Excuse me. <clears throat> but this Jamal Murray injury is huge. This completely reshapes the West for me. The Clippers are a lot higher in my rankings now. Um, the Nuggets obviously plummet, right? I'm going to talk about two things here. One, the Western Conference outlook as a whole, and two, MVP Jokic and his candidacy and how it's affected. Now, the first thing I'm going to talk about is the West and how the Lakers' road to the finals just got easier. Everybody's road to the finals just got a lot easier. But more specifically, the Lakers, because there is a there's a, a solid chance that the Lakers have to play this Nuggets team in the first round. Now, if Jamal Murray was there, I don't know if I'm picking the Lakers. I probably am, just because I don't like picking against LeBron James. I've done it before, and he's proved me wrong. I don't love picking against LeBron because most of the time he asserts his dominance. But the Jamal Murray injury, first of all, I was watching the game when it happened, and I was in the party, and I went, damn, Jamal Murray just tore his ACL. And my friends were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm watching the game. He just tore his ACL. And it was sad. I mean, I, I, obviously, I didn't know at the time that um, he 
had torn his ACL. But you could just see from the from the way that he landed and the way he was in pain that he had torn his ACL, and then it came out. So right now, if the if the season were to end today, Denver and LA would be matched up, right? Now LA's a game and a half behind Denver, and Portland is three and a half games behind LA or Denver, meaning that. Portland would have to win four more games than Denver to get that fifth seed if the Lakers overtake. So the chances are there's a good chance that Denver and L.A. play in the first round, that the Lakers and the um, Nuggets play in the first round. Now, depending who will have home court advantage, that is to be seen. But I think that that is a possibility. And in that sense, I'm taking the Lakers, man. I'm taking the Lakers every day because the Nuggets second best players out of the game. And it's just unfortunate because I really want to see his Denver Nuggets teams play well. Now there is, there's like a 3% chance. There is a, a very slim chance that this Nuggets team can scrap out a run to the NBA finals. And that's if Michael Porter Jr. just goes sicko mode. He just starts averaging 30. He becomes a star player. We all know he has the potential to be. And that's possible because Monte Morris and Compazzo aren't exactly terrible point guards, right? Like that's, that's a fine filling. You're not trotting Delhi out there, you know, say the 2016 finals, but hopefully um, Denver can pull it together, man. And I just think that it, it sucks because it ruins their season. And an ACL injury is not, you know, a six-month injury. Jamal Murray could be out for an extended period of time. We may not see him next season, especially since a rash of guys who have had ACL injuries like Clay. I'm pretty sure John Wall tore his ACL. But I think he tore his Achilles first. I don't know. We've just seen guys who are coming off devastating injuries get another devastating injury. And I hope that, that doesn't happen with Jamal. But this might be good, right? Because Jamal Murray has been a guy who's always kind of banged up. He always has a nick here or there and um to see him maybe be able to recover and get fully healthy might be really fun but you know best wishes to him now in terms of Jokic's MVP candidacy because Joel came out and just like dominated the other night against the Nets like he was just like came back and was like no I'm still the MVP and now if Joel if Joel plays really well I would have a hard time taking the MVP away from him Granted, he has missed 25% of the If Joel Embiid plays every single game for the rest of the season, which I doubt he will, just because of his history, because the Sixers are probably going to rest him towards the end of the year if they have the one seed locked up, I don't think he can win MVP. He's already missed a quarter of the season. If he plays out every single game of the season from here on out, he's still missed 25% of the season. And it's hard for me to give an MVP to a guy who's not there a quarter of the time. That's a pretty large percentage. And also, it's not like his team was losing games and absolutely bleeding without him. His team was still playing really well without him. Whereas if you take Jokic away from the Nuggets, they have no offensive system and they're screwed. Now, depending on how the Nuggets play, if they maintain how good they are right now, because right now they're three games behind um, the Clippers. They're eight and two in their last ten, which I mean isn't a ton with Jamal without Jamal Murray, but still that's pretty good. If they can maintain the four seed, move up to the three seed, anything like that, I have Jokic as my MVP. If they fall to the five seed, I might give it to Embiid. But as of today, Jokic will be my MVP, and I think personally that this, if anything, will help his MVP case as long as the Nuggets don't fall off a cliff, which I don't expect them to, but hopefully that they won't. So that was the implication of Murray. Let's talk about the rash of injuries because there was a, a meeting with the owners and they're bullshit at the league right now. They're really angry at the league because of the rash of injuries that have happened this season. Uh, LeBron got hurt. AD got hurt. Jamal Murray got hurt. Joel Embiid got hurt. Um, who else? I mean, Tatum was out with the virus, so that's different. But there have been a ton of injuries this year. Um, oh shit, where is the tweet? I know I saw it. Hold on. Let me try and um, 
pull it up. Even though I like too many tweets for me to be able to pull it up. I'm not going to be able to pull it up. But yeah, it came out the other day that like they were, um, oh my God, that Luka game winner was crazy. I was watching that live. But um, he came out, they came out the other day that like there was a meeting and all the owners were really angry because of the rash of injuries this year. I mean, D'Lo got hurt. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? I'm trying to think of different injuries around the league that have been significant. Gordon Haber got hurt. Lamelo Ball got hurt. Ooh, hurt. <laughs> okay, this is the tweet. It said, missed games this season. KD, 32. AD, 31. Embiid, 18. Kyrie, 15. Butler, 15. George, 15. LeBron, 13. Kawhi, 11. Now, Kawhi is different because he's just kind of a rest, um, um, uh, load management kind of guy. That's what they call it. But all of these are valid. Eh, Kevin Durant's kind of mid. This one doesn't even talk about Harden and how Harden has been hurt this year, too. But yeah, because this season, and I don't know how it was in, what, 2011 was the lockout year? I don't know. I don't know how it was in lockout year. But when they said they were doing a 72-game schedule, I was really worried because the lockout year was 66 games from Christmas until um, the normal like end in June. And this year it was 72 games from like a week before Christmas until the end of June. And I was worried, you know, that was something coming into the season was like, we'll probably see more load management. We will probably see, you know, more injuries this year. But the amount of injuries that we have seen, I mean, it's changed the landscape of the entire league. And it's unfortunate. You know, I it sucks. It sucks when your best players are out. It sucks when I turn on a Lakers game and the best player on the court's fucking THD. And I just, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about the injuries besides like it just sucks and hopefully players will get healthy for next year when we have a normal season. But I think the owners have a right to be angry. And speaking of just being angry at the league, Luca, it's funny because Luca and Mark Cuban, when the season was going to start, they were huge um, proponents of the play-in tournament. They thought it was a great thing. They loved it. But now that the Mavericks are going to be in the fucking play-in game and they're one of the most inconsistent teams in the league... Luca came out and he was like, oh, it's so dumb. I don't know why we have it. I hate it. And I just thought that was really funny. You know, it's like, yeah, hey, the grass ain't only, yeah, yeah, fuck out of here. <laughs> I thought that was funny, man. Um, but back to the rash of injuries, yeah. It's just, it's made this season a lot less fun. You don't get your LeBron moments. You're not getting your Kevin Durant moments, which I'm fine with. As a guy who whose favorite team... Excuse me. Is in the Eastern Conference. I'm fine with having less Kevin Durant moments of him hitting daggers on my team. But regardless, hopefully these injuries don't affect the playoffs too much. I know the Jamal Murray injury will, but hopefully we have a healthy playoffs. Because I think if we have a healthy playoffs, then people won't really give a shit about the regular season and the amount of injuries we've had. Now, if LeBron doesn't get re-injured in the playoffs, if KD, you know, if everybody's healthy in the playoffs, no one will give a fuck about the regular season. As it is most most years. If the playoffs are good, no one gives a shit about the regular season. Um, but the last thing I want to talk about is the Clippers, right? Because I came on here. Actually, before I talk about the Clippers, because I have actual things to say about it. Let's talk about the Bulls for a second. Because uh, Kenny, king of fourth quarter, just dropped a video on his second channel that was like, do the Bulls regret the Vucevic trade? And I've just looked at the title. I haven't watched the video yet. I haven't had time. But that's an interesting um, discussion to have because the Bulls have not been good with Vucevic just yet. And it's 
it's just because they don't have the defensive personnel anymore. I was really mad when they let Chris Dunn walk. I was really upset about that because they don't have any other perimeter defenders besides fucking Chris Dunn. I was super upset when they let Chris Dunn walk. And and for me, it was it was a huge question of why. Because Chris Dunn was that dude defense. He was like a top five defensive guard when he was in Chicago last year. And now he hasn't like played much this year, if at all. I don't know. I don't watch Hawks games because fuck the Hawks. Um but Chris Dunn was like a really good perimeter defender. And to see him leave Chicago, I was really frustrated. As a guy who likes the Bulls, the Bulls aren't my favorite team. They're probably like top five of my favorite teams, but just simply because of my content creators are Bulls fans. But it was just frustrating for me to see that. And to now see the defensive struggles that they're having, I'm like, hey, man, the Bulls could really use Chris Dunn right now. You know? But also the trading of Wendell Carter, who has been playing amazing in Orlando, by the way. Is starting to look a little questionable just because they don't have the defense anymore. They traded for Daniel Tice to improve their defense. Don't get me wrong, Daniel Tice is a good defender, but at the end of the day, he is 6'8, man. And Wendell Carter is 6'11, 7 foot, you know? He does just simply doesn't have the defensive capabilities that Wendell Carter had, you know? And Vucevic, Vucevic and Zach Levine, that pick and roll is is that's going to develop over time. And I think that we will see the full potential of this Bulls team this offseason with Larry Markin and Kobe White are moved. I think that Ack is going to do that. I think they're moving more towards, hey, let's compete now. Let's prove to Zach we want to win now. Let's get rid of these rookies that clearly aren't working out on our team and get them for vets right now. And I think that's a, that's um what the Bulls are going to look to do this offseason, which I'm happy about. I would love to see the Bulls compete. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's too early to tell on the Vucevic trade at the end of the day. It's been what three weeks at most. I don't know when the trade deadline was. I don't remember, but it's been three weeks at most. Let's all calm down a little bit. You know, hopefully the bulls can scrap out a playing game and Zach Levine can drop 50 and they can make the eight seed. Yada, yada, yada. They knock out the Hornets and the Knicks, whatever. Um, now the last topic I'm going to talk about today is the Clippers, because as the Nuggets have fallen from grace. The Clippers are really starting to push. They're 7-0 in their last seven games with Rajon Rondo. And I would like to say I was wrong. I was wrong. You can clip it, Dominic, and you could put it, you know, in the chat. And, and you can play it in the party tonight if you listen to this podcast. I was wrong. I came on this podcast and I said that the Rajon Rondo trade was not a big deal. And boy, was I wrong. Rondo. So they're 7-0 with Rondo on the team. They are a plus 71. When Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Rajon Rondo are all in the court together, they're a plus 71. This Clippers team is for real, for real. This Clippers team is a contender in the West. And I think the best, a lot of people were saying that at the beginning of the year, the best thing for the Clippers for, for no one to notice them, for no one to talk about them. That's exactly what has happened this year. And I cannot agree more because the Clippers have been completely off my radar the entire year. The entire year, I have not thought about the Clippers at all which is probably a lie. I've probably talked about them on past podcasts just because it's the Clippers. I know I have because Paul George was my early season MVP candidate, but Jesus Christ, man. And Paul George is back to playing like an MVP candidate. Kawhi Leonard has an MVP candidacy. And the Clippers are for real, man. This Clippers team is legit. They're going to be a big player in the West. And I was wrong about that Rondo trade. That Rondo trade is, you know, real. That Rondo trade is something that is going to have an impact. And we all know, as Celtics fans... And someone who watched Rondo on the Bulls go up 2-0 on us and we were the one seed as as a guy who watched Rondo last year in the playoffs. A guy who watched Rondo help New Orleans upset Portland. They are 
Uh, playoff Rondo is a real thing. Playoff Rondo is a real thing. And the more important thing is Rondo is a locker room presence. On Through the Wire, Pierre talked about how Rondo going to be in the locker room, right? Rondo's not going to let them blow a three-run lead, right? If Paul George said missing shots, Rondo's going to be like, man, Paul George, you the mf You know, you that dude. You that guy. You MVPG. Don't let these, you know, motherfuckers tell you what's up. You that dude. Go out there and do that thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, Rondo is just one of those guys that elevates a good team to a great team and takes a great team to a championship team. And I think that a lot of people are going to be surprised if the Clippers end up in the championship this year, and I won't, you know? It's extremely possible that the Clippers just fuck up the Lakers in a six-game series. Yeah, six. I know I said six. I got the Clippers in six. I haven't seen LeBron and AD come back yet. So right now, right now, my hot take would be that the Clippers have, like, the second-best odds in the West to get out the West. That would be my hot take right now. The Lakers are still my favorite. As the Nuggets have gone out, the Lakers are now my favorite. But the Clippers are a close second, the Suns are a third, and the Jazz are fourth. I just wanted to point that out, though. I want it on record that I am endorsing this Clippers team, and I think that this Clippers team is real. Um, because when they beat the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals and everyone's, you know, shocked, I'm going to come on here and talk my shit about how I told you so. But maybe this take goes ice cold and they lose in the first round. Who knows? We'll see. Um, but if you enjoyed this podcast, leave a like, uh, rate it. I don't know what you do, whatever. <laughs> Tweet at me at the 3D podcast. If there's something I didn't talk about, something I missed, something you want me to talk about. Ooh, real quick, shout out to De'Aaron Fox. He's still hooping. Uh, free De'Aaron Fox. I'm on that bandwagon early. Free De'Aaron Fox. Get him out of there because Luke Walton sucks and the Kings organization is cursed. Um, but thank you so much for listening and, uh, peace.